Oh, Ollie! How Hello. the blinking egg are you? Oh, I'm chilly. I'm chilly, Dave. Uh, but not as chilly as, as presumably you have been. Where have you been, Dave, the last couple of weeks? I have been to Skandahuvia, which is in the north, up in Denmark and Sweden. It's very, 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 very cold. And quite frankly, they could do with a bit of global warming up there. That's what Ooh. I reckon. Blimey. Well, Controversial I statement. <laughs> yeah, we'll move on. I hope you had a nice time. And... I hope everybody listening has had a nice time because it's a while since we said hello to you. Hello! Welcome to Sustainable 39. 39, yes indeed. We are your weekly environment podcast all about people and the planet and prattle and why everything is so beastly and awful and why don't people just make sense, ain't we? We are, we are. And this week we are going to be talking about... Well, we've got a bit of a theme. It's a bit of a polluting theme because the air is being polluted, uh, both in London, um, but also in China. Or maybe it isn't as much. Uh, the orcas are being polluted, Dave. The bloody killer whales, they're being polluted. Um, our minds are being polluted by Donald Trump every second of this earthly life. And our ears. Uh, and our ears, very much our ears. Uh, there is some spectacularly polluting eco guff that we will talk about this week. And the big uh, fossil fuel companies are trying to sue the US government because they're not allowed to pollute. Um, so, yeah, fun times. Fun times. We shall be conducting the following podcast in a spirit of remembrance to the one and only, the great David Bowie. Um, and so expect plenty of Bowie puns peppered liberally throughout. For now, uh, the disclaimer is that although we do work for environmental charities, these are very much our own views, me and him, not anyone else, not even David Bowie's. So if you have any problems with anything that occurs in the next wee while, take it up with us. Don't be a rebel rebel. And uh, we... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's get on with it, shall we? <laughs> Sustainable of the week. So, Sustainable of the week. This is the section where we have a little look at the nonsense, the rubbish, the egregious eco guff that has been spoken in the name of going green or by people who ought to know better. And this week we've got one of my favourites ever in our 39 long episodes of History of Babel. Uh, it is a chap called Sir Philip Dilly. He dillied, he dallied. Uh, <laughs> now, is he a silly dilly? He's a silly, great big silly dilly. Uh, there's got to be more in this. Hang on. Um, okay. Um, so, look, right. Okay. Normally, what happens here is this. You uh, or I says, here's a thing. And I or you pretend and says, really, what's the thing? Right? Well, this time, I've been away. So, genuinely, I don't know what's been happening. I've managed to insulate myself spectacularly well from egregious eco-guff for the last couple of weeks. So, genuinely, what's been going on? Well, okay, it's been wet. Uh, it may have been very cold where you were, but it's been exceptionally wet. What's in, been wet? Um, the weather. Oh, the weather. Fine. Outside. Well, and 
an inside. That's the problem. A lot of people's insides of houses that should be dry ordinarily have become distinctly undry mm. because there's been a huge amount of rainfall um, in well all over the the north of England and all over Scotland. It's been um, pretty indiscriminate this time round. Lots and lots of people have been flooded. Um, I think we did mention it right at the back end of last yeah, we year. Did. Yeah, it's not. Um, this was going on before I naffed off. This is yeah. Um, well, yeah. It, it carried on. It got worse. Um, oh. Anyway, as per usual, when this happens, it's the annual flooding event. Now, um, the important kind of politicians uh, go and buy some new wellies, turn up for a photo shoot, shoot uh, point at some floods, and go hmm. And local, <laughs> and local people go. Well, why are you here? Just pick up a sandbag or sod off. Um, did, I, did I see it right? It was one of the things I saw. Again, I'm sorry, I might have dreamed this. That loads of Tory politicians went to have a look at a, bl- at a bridge that had been swept away and they managed to stand on the wrong side of it so yeah. they couldn't actually get to the town they were going to look at. Is that right? They did. They did. Yeah. It's like the thick of it in real life. Oh. They, they turn up. There's a wonderful picture of a group of politicians and all their bag carriers on the wrong side of a bridge that no longer exists. Brilliant. And they, and they turn up 20 minutes late anyway on the wrong side of the bridge that no longer exists. Anyway, what didn't happen, or rather who didn't turn up, was a chap called Sir Philip Dilly. Now, he is the big boss of the Environment Agency. He's their chairman. And the Environment Agency... Is that Agency, the boss? Hmm? Is that the boss? What do you mean? Well, is is the chairman the boss? Because I thought the chairman was like so uh, the person who oversees the board. But does that make them the boss? I don't well, know. Makes what them is them a ultimate, what is ultimately a... accountable, isn't it? You know. Okay. Look, I'd like to see you have said to Chairman Mao, "Are you the boss?" Right. Well, he is. He is the big boss. Um, he is the most uh, accountable of the people at the Environment Agency. Um, ultimately, I guess. Um, and he's a political appointment. And you'll remember that last time this happened, uh, the Chris Smith, the last one of these chairmen, um, quit because he got it a bit wrong. Um, well, this time got it a bit wrong. He got it a bit wrong. Look, let's not dwell on the details. I want to talk about this guy. He was nowhere to be seen uh, when the, the floods really started hitting and people started asking a few questions. Now, he said, oh, I'm at home with my family, so uh, I, I can't be there, which was sort of true, except it was at his second home in Barbados. What? Uh, and, and so while everyone was, was Sorry, getting... sorry, sorry. Where? Barbados. Ah. Well... Okay. He yeah. didn't mention that bit. Well, no, not, ex- not explicitly. Um, but obviously the newspapers sort of did. Uh, and it didn't go down hugely well uh, in, in me- febrile media world uh, that the boss of the, the agency in charge of flooding was sunning himself on the other side of the world with a pina colada, presumably. Anyway, all of this kicked off and he ended up quitting. Now, what we wanted to do was tell you, well, in fact, ask our little friend Arabella, my niece, my six-year-old niece, uh, to tell you exactly what he said in his statement uh, announcing that he was quitting. I have not made any untrue or misleading statements, apart from approving the statement about my location over Christmas that in hindsight could have been clearer. Wow. <laughs> I think it's, it's got to be up there, hasn't it? It's got to be up there with the best ever. I didn't lie. No. Apart from that thing that I allowed people to say on my, on my behalf, which probably wasn't true. Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah, there was no lying apart from no. that little bit where I was a bit sort of lie little bit, sort little of. bit fibby-wibby. <laughs> yeah. Uh, blimey. Why so would you on. ever write that down? Know, Just don't put that in a statement. Crikey. <laughs> and he also said loads of stuff, didn't he? So I've got this open now. And I genuinely hadn't looked at this. So, so Yeah, okay. loads of stuff about moaning, about media attention affecting and intruding on his family in Barbados, presumably. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that oh, he was becoming the story and all the media scrutiny was focusing on him and not the people who were drowning under six feet of river sludge. Um, and basically harping, harping on. Instead of just going, yeah, I dropped the ball on that one, sorry. Uh, which is what you would... Yes, well, it's what Chairman Mao would say, wouldn't he? Chairman Mao would... Mm. Go, actually, no, he wouldn't, would he? Famous chairman? for apologising. Yes, that's he? right. He was known for backtracking, wasn't he? Okay, well, your normal chairman of your normal thing would, would say, yeah, I messed up there, sorry. They wouldn't go, no, it's not fair, everyone's picking on me, you know, I was on a holiday. But uh, a final point on this, I guess, um, and you alluded to this earlier on, is looking at this as Je- so you know, like I said, not been around. Looking at this now after it's all happened, it looks a little bit like this poor sod is carrying the can for something bigger, doesn't it? Um, yeah. As in, so we have talked before about the about the government's cuts and how one of the things that they have cut has been flood defence spending and there's been a huge amount of hoo-ha backwards and forwards about have they cut it, have they not cut it and various people mess about with numbers in one way to show they've cut it and they have cut it, right? They have cut flood spending in real terms compared to what they were spending before and they have cut it uh, far away from where it actually needs to be. All of that is the case, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and it's so, been paid out quite a lot. You know, there's been Cameron standing up in, in parliamentary questions saying, we haven't cut flood defences. And then one of those wonky bodies that um, uh, he appoints has gone, uh, yeah, you have. <laughs> so it's all been a bit sort of straightforward in that respect. What they are clearly not doing is preparing for the worst. You know, they might be increasing spending a little bit, but they're only—they're certainly not doing it to prepare for, um, you know, the implications of another degrees rise in, in in temperatures or whatever. And it does seem that even the stuff they built in response to the floods two years ago was overwhelmed in many cases this time. So it's it's fairly clear that another fiver on the flood defence budget here and there isn't really going to do it. Um, and as you say, there's lots of complicated things that you should do. It's not just building concrete. And um, we could talk all day about how you know planting a few trees and stopping stripping the uplands would uh, would make a big difference oh, as well i'm playing i'm gonna play the sexy stripping the uplands music Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. happy 2016 <laughs> dave <laughs> mm. um oh where was i got all he was stripping some uplands. Stripping some uplands. Anyway, but yeah, there's, there's not really much uh, going on that, that should be going on in terms of increasing the money. But to go back to your first point, I think you're right that Hooray. the Environment Agency usually does get hung out to dry, <laughs> ironically. Uh. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, because it's very easy to just blame what they term a quango um, instead of, you know, blaming the government, isn't it? So it happens every year. It's like, well, there's been floods. The Environment Agency didn't sort it out. It's their fault. Sack him. And, um, yeah, there's your fool guy. Dilly Dally in the Bahamas or Barbados or wherever it was. Reasons to be cheerful. So we are leaping straight into the section about 
good things because it's a new year and we're going to be cheery and upbeat and everything's brilliant, isn't yeah. it, Dave? <laughs> well, it's for me because I've not, I haven't spoken to anyone for two weeks and I haven't thought about egregious eco guff and I haven't thought about you and your stupid smiley face. <laughs> um, so I, don't, I really don't know what's going on. Um, I did a quick trawl in preparation for this babble and there has been some things going on, um, but it is quite easy to be cheerful about all of this when you don't pay attention to it, I must say. Well, good. And we'll carry on in that vein and you'll have a lovely time uh, because (laughs) if you do pay attention, Uh you'll see that a bunch of bad shit has gone down. Uh, Obviously, the baddest thing is that David Bowie's dead. Oh, so sad. Mike, it was so miserable. Oh, dear. What's going to happen next? It's not going to be the same, is it, when Justin Bieber dies whenever that is i mean there will be a party but i don't think it's quite gonna have the same cultural resonance right no somehow i i, I don't think he will can you imagine um, can you imagine justin bieber like you know there are 50 years from now justin bieber finally dies of, of mass of disappearing finally up his own bottom right imagine <laughs> like, sort of inverts it's going to be all these kids who who don't know any better because they've been totally starved of cultural icons right and they'll look back and people are going to be all mushy about justin bieber and they're going to go all about no, like not. yeah no, they are because people no, are because there aren't bowies around actually anymore. good will turn up won't they no they will. they're yes, not they allowed will. to they won't they won't <laughs> who 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 is it? Who? Sam Smith, I suppose. People will be people will be looking back at Sam Smith's illustrious fifty year gender bending, single handedly creating genres of music and then moving on style, will they? I, I genuinely I genuinely don't know who Sam Smith is. Guess it's true, I'm not good at a one Right, where were we? Anyway, before you It's got just on, rubbish, Hol. Get off I'm, get off your high horse. Go sit down, calm down, and listen to some of the shit that's happened. Uh, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> now, uh, one thing that happened, um, which uh, we haven't even talked about in preparation, so this is even more news to you than um, than most of the other news to you. Are you having uh, a baby? No, not that I know of. Uh, um, yes, the, let's not rule it out. Okay. <laughs> the, where are you? Put me right off my, my stream. Right. The housing and planning bill, not oh. the sexiest thing in the world, but pretty What's... awful by all accounts. Um, they st- after the, you know the Commons and various committees had been debating this at length uh, over the last few months. They decided right at the government. This is the UK government decided right at the last minute to stick in a little clause, which is essentially the privatisation of the planning process. Uh, that doesn't sound that disastrous, but it's basically saying if you're like Serco or G4S or Tesco or something and you want to build a massive thing, whereas previously the planning authority had to decide had to process the application and say whether or not it's a good thing or a bad thing. Now you can just designate somebody else to process it. It's, it's literally they're saying you can choose a designated saying, person. Say that again, right, and make it so that I understand what the hell you're talking about. Oh, put, that put was it, my that was my dumbed down version. <laughs> put it into like so. You talked about little claws, so put it into uh, kittens. What? Talk about it in reference to kittens. If somebody wants to like put a kitten somewhere, um, how do okay. they go about doing it? Okay, well, let's say you want to put a kitten um, in a blender, right? Ah! And and the people who ordinarily decide that sort of thing are the RSPCA because but they're not. You know, because they're qualified to make that decision. And so they will process your kitten blending application for you. However, what the government have just done is say that anyone you choose can process that application. So you might then instead choose like Marilyn Manson or um, 
or, or someone else who he likes kittens. No bad example. Not, okay, um, who's the one you ate a, ate a hamster? Uh, Freddie Star. Yeah, him. So you choose Freddie Star if it's you like Richard want. Richard Gear. No, Richard Gear did something else with a hamster, didn't he? <laughs> We're not going there. Okay. This has got very strange. Anyway, look it up. Go and look up the the housing and planning bill and all the nonsense. But that's one of the crap things that happened. Right. Another crap thing that's happened yep. is that London's filthy, stinky air. You know how much you hate London. You're always talking about. I it. hate London. Stinky. Yeah. 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 Well, it turns out it's fantastically stinky. There is a limit for how much of the um, nitrogen oxide, no, nitrogen dioxide, you're allowed to emit um, during the course of a year. And one street in London that happens to have a monitor on it managed to breach that limit in eight days. Oh, brilliant. So, so they hang on. Them. So they're allowed to, they're allowed over the course of a year to emit X, and they've already done X in the first eight days of the year. Yes. Wow. Yes. That's and amazing. that's that's in Putney High Street. Uh, and they're fairly sure it will have taken about four days in Oxford Street. Uh, but they don't know because the monitoring equipment is broken, uh, presumably because it's choked to death. Officially stinky yeah. and horrible. So what's gonna, what are they going to do about that then? 2016, what's going to happen? Well, the mayoral election is going to happen. And it does seem like air pollution is going to be a relatively big um, topic in that debate. Both candidates are talking about it a bit. But they're not going to do anything decent. They'll, they'll come up with something about, you know, a plan to maybe make things a bit less illegal by 2020 or something. But it won't be good. Okay, so uh, London is stinky. And I also saw what else has been going on. The oil price went really, really, really low, didn't it? We talked back in episode four uh long time ago now, about the oil price and whether or not it being low is a bad thing. So go back and listen to that. But it's not a unanimously good or a bad thing, but it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's well, it's well, it's really interesting. Who knows? As we'll listen to episode four and you will get a sense of just how confused we were by the whole thing and its implications. But, um, you know, Arctic oil is reckoned to only be profitable at $150 a barrel and it's now selling for 30. So that tells you something about whether or not that's going to ever happen anytime soon. What else happened? Uh, I tell you, well, the weird... You've... Uh, my, well, where to begin? Have a listen to this. Cowardice. Are you serious? Do you know what that is? Uh, it's the sound <laughs> of my worst nightmare stuck on loop. Um, Isn't it amazing? Freedom's on our shoulders. USA! So this has been three days ago, this video went three days ago, we were recording this on a Saturday, so I guess five days ago, but by the time that you listen to this, this will have had something like five million views, this video, and it is a rally, a Donald Trump campaign rally in Hicksville, America, I don't know, I don't care where it is, they keep, they, I don't deserve mention it as far as I'm concerned, um, and it's the weirdest thing in the world, it's that Go Compare advert song, but turned into some incredibly banal Donald Trump worshipping echo of fascism, it's really scary. <laughs> it is scary, and it's these these three poor young women, I mean, one of them looks exceptionally young, who sort of, they're, you know, paraded, auto-tuned to the eyeballs, you know, it's not even live, actually, I don't think, just sort of seeing this thing as if it's totally normal, and even, like, the ardent Trump supporters behind them can't bring themselves to sort of really cheer. It's just That's crazy, really isn't it? 
As, as the first comment on the YouTube video says, this is why the rest of the world hates <laughs> yeah. us, right? American pride. Um, and there was another a study that I saw linked to all of this right-wing hoo-ha that showed that conservative think tanks over the last year have increased their uh, reports and stuff saying that climate change is a made-up conspiracy destined to enslave us all to the Chinese red menace saw that i think that's a good thing i think that's a sign that we're winning you think it's a sign that we're winning that people are spending more and more money on saying that climate change is yeah they have to don't they if that's if you're kind of defending the indefensible and you represent a kind of huge chunk of capital that is going to be totally knackered by climate action then um certainly now in the kind of post paris context now you've got to fight for your lives haven't you and um i think it's a good sign i think it shows that we're doing something right And you wanted to talk about the fishies, didn't you? Oh, man, this is the saddest thing. This is the saddest mm. thing. There's an article in... Guess which newspaper, Dave? Uh, yep. Guardian? Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, article in The Guardian um, about um, the UK's orca um, population, which I didn't realise existed. I'm ashamed to say I didn't know we had any orcas, but they we do. Anyway, they are facing what is described as inevitable extinction because some horrible pollutants mm. which uh we in the uk i think banned from polluting uh the seas with in the 80s but um stick in the whole sort of marine ecosystem forever and ever and ever and they have like completely knackered the orcas and they are not producing they haven't had a calf for i think 19 years or something uh i should probably just read the article rather than guessing again but um it's bad anyway and uh, they're going to die and it's very sad and so we've got hang on so here are some things i didn't know right i didn't know that the uk had any killer whales orcas Mm -hmm, at all um, I didn't know that they, when they had babies, they were called calves. Oh, really? And don't they have, um, uh, yeah, and aren't a group of orcas called a pod? Yes. Yeah. So uh, they, so it's good that we can mention them in our pod, isn't it? But I didn't know that they were, they were knackered. That's all really depressing, isn't it? Why can't, really sad. Why can't people stop killing the bloody killer whales? Well done, humans. Well, well done, humans. humans. Hang on, how's some of these? God. Right, so we've managed to talk ourselves into a um, fantastic, gloomy oh, stupor. I was uh, all about that this 2016 time, <laughs> optimism lasted a long time, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Are there any good things that you yes. have noticed via your 30 minutes Googling? Yes, I have seen some stuff. So, um, oh God, I did that Jeremy Clarkson thing again. Whenever I sound like Jeremy Clarkson, just tell me I'm sad. That's the thing I want you to do in 2016. Play the Clarkson, <laughs> Claxon, will you? Whenever I sound like Jeremy Clarkson. All right, I'll, we'll, I'll, we'll do I'll do one, one, one for now. you now. Yeah. Here you go, have one. Yes, 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 yes. Fully deserved, thank you very much. So what's <laughs> happened is, uh, well, okay, last year in 2015, the world spent more on renewable energy than what it has ever spent before, which is good, even as the oil price tumbled. So this is going back to what we were talking about a minute ago, that a falling oil price is at least it, it correlated with, if not caused by or linked to um, $329 billion worth of renewable energy investment last year. So that's, that's a good. a lot of billion dollars, isn't it? That is a lot of billion dollars, yeah. Um, is it enough? Don't know. Is it more than it was before? Yeah. Yeah, it is. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. That's good. Um, there was a thing that happened just a couple of days ago where the World Economic Forum, which is your like collection of white men in suits, basically, who run the world, and um, they get together once a year and talk about how important it is to have lots of money. And they did a thing a couple of days ago saying that climate change impacts, so things like flooding or droughts that you can link to climate change, are the single greatest threat to the global economy in 2016. Which Yay! is great. No, but it is, it's, you know, it's one of them things, obviously bad news, but good news because it shows that when men in suits are getting it, as Tony Juniper said to us in our last edition, it shows that you're doing something right. I did, however, see someone say, yeah, so if climate change is the biggest threat to the global economy this year, maybe we ought to wonder whether or not the global economy is the biggest threat to doing anything about climate change in the next year. Um, oh, who's that smarty pants? I don't know. They got lots of likes on The Guardian. Oh, there you go. Job done. And uh, going back to episode 27, good news from China. Ooh, tell me, tell me, tell me. So China, which is... uh, A country. It is a country, yes. Mm. Um, It has said that it is going to, in principle, quote... Um, and I reckon those quotes hide a million little local exemptions and stuff. But they reckon they're going to block <laughs> loads of coal mines, a thousand of them apparently. They're going to close a thousand a existing thousand? coal mines and stop loads of other ones being built. And I hadn't realised this, that um, what your big national menaces in the Communist Party in the middle say doesn't necessarily translate to what happens on the ground. And so a lot of the coal mines that have been being built apparently have been done kind of locally on the sly. And, and local stuff is sometimes quite surprising. I didn't realise it's quite, sometimes quite a long way away from what happens nationally. So uh, they have said that as well as closing all these mines, they're also going to do more to stop local places opening them up, apparently, mm. which is interesting. And um, yeah, they reckon, well, reckon 1.6 million people can be that die in china every year that there's a link to their horrible stinky air right and we were talking about london's horrible stinky air but my god they got a problem over there aren't they yeah right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's really bad in half of the week yeah so in half time this is a section of the show named after senator jim inhoff uh, who is an american man who's a muppet uh, he thinks that climate change isn't i wish real. he was a muppet <laughs> That'd be great, wouldn't it? If the head of the Environment Committee or whatever it is in the American Senate, the guy who brings a snowball in to show that climate change isn't happening, was an actual Muppet. Yeah, uh, yeah anyway, well, sadly, he's a... Uh, like he's, the uh, Swedish homeless. chef where I've been. You know they actually all talk like that over there. It's actually genuinely what they sound like. It's actually what they sound like. They say, hey, hey. Oh, and also another thing I heard is that they all think it's really funny, this whole thing about the bridge, that Scandi Noir, where mm. all the Swedes and the Danes talk to each other, no problem, because apparently the languages are really different. <laughs> like the idea that actually a, Dan- a Danish person could just walk up to a Swedish person and just go, floor de floor, and the Swedish person would go like, <laughs> yeah, floor de floor. That don't happen like that. Apparently. Good morning. Yeah, so anyway, sorry about that. Uh, Inhoff is Inhoff of the week is when we talk about the person who has been a complete and total douchebag, which is actually a term that we're not allowed to use um, because it's horrible. Um, so and we're not allowed to use the term douchebag. Yes. Douchebag is the term we can't say. <laughs> That's right. No more douchebags. It's horrible. Don't talk about douchebags. Okay. Um, and it's the bit of the show where we talk about the person this week who has done the most to irk us, to get underneath our fingernails and stick their itty bitty bits of grains of sand up there. 
Yeah, so uh, again, I don't really know much about what's gone on here, but I, uh, news filtered over to me in the depths of Scandahoovia that um, your big fossil fuel companies in America are not taking the rejection of Keystone, which we talked about in episode 30, a big hosepipe that was going to take oil from <laughs> the north to the south, uh, which President Obama all round manhunk and boss of the free world uh, had kiboshed, and he kiboshed it, and your fossil fuel company is not taking it lying down, yes? Yeah, so this is a company called Trans Canada, which um, I don't think is what it sounds like it is. Sounds like a uh, bus. But, hmm? Sounds like a bus. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, no, we'll go with that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they, they are um, commencing legal action uh, under what is something called the North American Free Trade Agreement, um, which apparently for people who are cleverer than me and follow all of this ear TTIP stuff is a sign of things that we can expect if TTIP becomes a thing. What's it TTIP? A TTIP is mm. a big trade deal, very secretive trade deal, which is being drawn up between the EU and America, which is basically going to delete anything good and replace it with <laughs> uh, just... Dollar signs, I think. Is that, that's what it's doing, is it? Are you sure about yeah. the nuance? Have you got that entirely? No, I'm, I'm, I'm 100% confident I'm on very firm ground here. Fine. Okay. Uh, <laughs> anyway, they have a similar thing called the North American Free Trade Agreement in the States, and that is the mechanism under which this company is basically suing the government. And it is a fairly terrifying idea, isn't it, that, mm. that if the government makes a decision, as, you know, they're sort of allowed to do what with being the government... Mm. Companies can just go, nah, don't like that. I'm going to sue you. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to sue you for, uh, what is it? I think it's something like $15 billion <sighs> that they're trying to seek to recover in costs and damages. Um, because, you know, this, the, the uh, Barry OB is doing something they don't like. So that's the Ugh. basic idea, right, of all of this stuff, that you, uh, you're a company. You think the government's going to do something, so you invest. And then the government doesn't do something, so you then sue them for all that lost earnings, isn't it? That's what's going on. Yeah, and that's what I has got so. people all very, very upset about trade deals in general and the TTIP that you talked about. And it's been going on. It's been, stuff has happened on this for years. It's not new. I think there's, there's all these sort of little no, secrets. No. But I think one of the problems with it is, is it all happens in kind of secret courts and it's all a bit sort of pernicious and it's not like court. It's not like Judge Judy type court. It's not on telly. You don't get to see all the horrible people. It's not people. like making a murderer. No, which I have not No, I haven't. I've been. I've been that way. Is it good? <gasps> it's amazing. Who it's terrifying. It? It's so upsetting. Well, the guy is still in prison. That's not a spoiler. Um, but it is. Uh, oh yeah, just watch it. It's the most addictive and depressing and um, upsetting telly I've seen for a while. So if you're if you're into that sort of thing, <laughs> you'll have a great time. Sounds like a TV version of us. Anti enough of the week. So for every Inhofe, there is, of course, an anti-Inhofe, equal and opposite Inhofe, if you like. Uh, And who is it this week? Oh, hang on, Dave. You've got that pun look about your face. Go on. Yes, this week's star man is... Yes. Oh, no, is... Ed Miliband, formerly leader of uh, the Labour Party, which was a political party in Great Britain. I don't know if it still is. Um, yeah, and, yeah, okay, oh, fine. Um, and that he... happened while you were away as well. That was the best thing to be out of the country for ever. What happened? The kind of 
23-year-long reshuffle. It may only have been three days, but goodness me, it went on for a long time. Sorry. Anyway, it was all massively tedious. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, Well, this isn't tedious. So I said this was going to happen, if you remember, back at episode 36, I think it was, the last proper episode we did before Crimble, when I said that Ed Miliband was going to launch a big campaign trying to get stuff happening after the mahoosive climate shindig in Paris, trying to get stuff going in the UK. And he's done it, I think. Um, Looks like he launched a big, well, high ambition coalition Hey, that's nice. Ooh. High ambition coalition. Ooh. A high Hell ambition yeah, coalition. Tough enough. Yeah, he's tough enough. Basically, bringing together. He wants loads and loads of people to come together, and he's being very kind of considering that he must hate, you know, anyone from any other political party because that's how politics works, right? He's being quite sort of bridge quite a lot from his own. Very right. <laughs> Suspect the feeling might be mutual as well. Um, he's being quite bridge buildy about things, being all very like, you know, he's refusing to say that George Osborne is a terrible, beastly, awful, horrible, nasty toe rag, and is instead saying, I reckon Mr. Osborne probably is okay. It's like in Star Wars. It's like when, you know, in general, uh, avoid spoilers here, but when people talk about there is still good in him and all that sort of stuff, I reckon Ed Miliband still sees the good in everyone. He reckons that the, the light side of the force is still shining. It's nice, isn't it? Oh, lovely. Well done, Ed Miliband. Sorry about the whole election thing. So that is just about it for Sustainable 39. Thank you very much, Dave. Um, And thank you very much uh, to the nice hairdresser who took what remains of Shearer's Island from your dome. Done it myself, Uh, mate. Done it myself. Did you? Oh, I, I did. I did. Well, not, not first time. I got an extremely expensive Dane to do it. But then after that, <laughs> um, I thought I'd better have a go at it himself. And yeah, yeah, that's it. Everyone I love goes away in the end. And I can now add to that list, as well as poor little Sophie Cat, I can add to that oh. my hair. Oh. Anyway. Bye bye, Dave's hair. Bye bye, Dave's um, hair. Anyway, uh, thank you all, as ever, to the wonderful Dickie Moore, who's still got his hair, as far as I know. Um, and he does the music, and his band do the music for the beginning, the end, and the intertwinkling of the podcast. And uh, thank you also to the wonderful Arabella, who has also got all of her hair, um, as I got to see when she helped me present last week's episode, where we interviewed Tony Juniper. Very popular, lots of people like it. So do go back and listen to that interview if you haven't already. He's well clever, isn't he? I, I listened to it um, the other night, and I was like, oh, God, he is a well he knows, clever man. He knows stuff. He knows stuff. Yeah. Yeah, do have a listen. It's really, really good. If you want to get in touch uh, and say anything good or bad, preferably good, you can tweet us at The Babble Wagon. Uh, you can find us on Facebook by just searching for Sustainable on Facebook, or you can drop us a little email at hello at sustainable.fish. Indeed. And... If you like what you hear, drop us a review and say so on your favourite podcast medium. And if you don't, just shut up. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, Dave. It's very nice to have you back. Well done for not freezing to death in Scandi country. Uh, and we will see you next week. Thank you very much, Ol. Glad to be back. And I'm very, very pleased that you still have all your lovely, lovely hair. Well, someone's got to. OK, Bye. Bye. I've left a hub on for about three hours. How much climate change have you caused doing that? Yeah, I don't know.
0.1 of a degree, something like that. Pretty much. I love the idea that uh, all of your mealy-mouthed do-gooding Guardian reading intentions for the following year, all of those miles you cycle, all of those bits of recycling you take to the bin, you've just single-handedly undone by absentmindedly leaving your hob on for three hours <laughs> and pumping the earth full of unnecessary gas. Thanks, mate. You're welcome. <laughs> Anything I can do. 